This is Andrew Krauss, Permaculture Perspectives. Today, I'm going to elaborate on the permaculture principle. Use biology. Use biological resources. And the third phrase thing that I like to add to that one, use biology before technology. And I'm going to, with that emphasis on before that I'm giving, go a little bit more into what is the real power of biology, what's the real potency of it. And I wanted to share some some different numbers and perspectives to be able to really flesh out for you why it is I feel so confident in pointing our students who are studying with us our listeners day to day, you will be definitely putting yourself to a great advantage by partnering with, allying with the life force of this planet, the biological life of this planet, is where ultimately our real fortitude, our real security, our real, no, it's what's real, the earth, life on this planet, and it's what we want to be way more intelligently in response to, and interconnected and interrelated with, and so I wanted to share some of this deepening of our understanding of the permaculture perspective, the permaculture principle, meaning that it, it's a core precept of how we go about doing this thing that we call permaculture, meaning when we create a permaculture design, we are creating landscapes, we're creating buildings, we're creating infrastructure all based on a set of modalities that apply all over this planet and those are the principles. And these principles, wherever you use them on the earth, yield manifold benefits. And I think that it's really important to spend time on each of them and look at why are these so potent as a design tool? Why do we use biology as a resource before and thoroughly and exhaustively use biology, might I add? Before any sort of technology is because it is the low-hanging fruit of good design. Let me elaborate on what I mean by that. We're on a planet in outer space where life has been evolving. And let's get into some technical language. Morphologically adapting to an array of dynamic variables that have been existing for all creatures on Earth for billions of years. turns out that, as Lynn Margulis says, that he's one of the great teachers who I look to, 
half billion years of microbiological evolution. And so some of these numbers and perspectives come from some of their research and my pulling together some of the key threads from a number of additional sources. So as Margulis and Sagan say in Microcosmos, life's, life's age-old ability to reduce energy gradients goes back over 3,800 million years. And I think this I hold as a key concept to underpin our perspective on why biology first. You know, because it's 3,800 million years old is one of the answers for why. It has proven itself to clearly be a superior life form, meaning life itself, biological life, uh, is a success story on Earth. It has continued throughout its history, through this 3,800 million year history, it has continued to increase in its complexity. And it turns out that when we look at the planet from a whole system's viewpoint and ask the question, what are the places on the Earth that do the best job of continuing to, as I like to say, give us that comfortable ride as we rocket around the sun in outer space, and it turns out that who does the highest performance job of keeping this planetary engine from heating up too much from the blast of the thermonuclear furnace that's 93 million miles away and comprises 99% of the mass of our solar system that we call the sun? What keeps life from being fried by the sun and frozen by outer space? Well, complex ecosystems do. Complex ecosystems show themselves to be superior in their ability to reduce energy gradients. Satellite measurements of infrared have confirmed this. All kinds of systems in the universe are about reducing energy gradients. Stellar systems, nebulae, and vortices are some of the forms, the shapes that we see manifested from the universe's general trend towards reducing energy gradients. So overall, our best allies in keeping the Earth comfortable and reducing solar electromagnetic gradients are mature, diverse ecosystems. And as it turns out, evolution has consistently become more diverse and complex. It took billions of years of bacteria living in the ocean until the nucleated cell came about, and then the ability for speciation and adaptive radiation spread all over the planet. A quick timeline of life on Earth, bacteria first show up in our ocean somewhere around 3,500 million years ago. What we call protists come about somewhere around 2,000 million years ago. And then we see more complex multicellular organisms, like what we call animals, showing up in the geological 
geologic stratigraphy of the Earth about 600 million years ago. And last on the list, we see geologic stratigraphic fossil evidence of fungi and plants in the Earth's geology showing up to a layer that we correspond with approximately 450 million years ago, the first plants and fungi. And aptly, life is described as a earthbound, cellular, biological, geological, and solar phenomenon. And we need to grasp the principle that speciation itself has occurred primarily through a process that Lynn Margulis has coined called symbiogenesis at a microbiological scale. This means whole genomes have been integrated into other entire microorganisms. And so recognizing the primordial nature of life, the complexity of it, the inexorable trend of it to become more adaptively, morphologically suited to the earth and to every little nook and cranny that could possibly provide habitat has now been occupied and had life of some form of lichen or yeast or multicellular, more complex things like mosses and plants and trees and animals occupying this earth's surface both in the aquatic landscape for the bulk of earth's history, life staying there for four billion years as we've discussed in previous broadcasts, showing us that water is one of the key formulas to comfort when you are in a landscape that is on a planet where conditions in outer space vacillate from upwards of plus 270 degrees Fahrenheit every 12 hours to plunging negative 270 degrees Fahrenheit you realize that water is a great thermal blanket that buffers life. And this is why life stayed in the ocean for 4 billion years on this earth. And only in the last 500 million years has it come up onto the land. With our design process, to come back to the principle, the principle of used biology and how are we tuning into this ancient story of the planet, it's informing our understanding as designers why it is that we defer to such wisdom as the plant world on Earth when we look to what is our most available and ingenious method to sequester, accrue, and store solar income on site, which is one of the key design approaches that we want to be always aspiring for in our design. How much of this sunlight can we be doing something with on our site? And what I like to point our students to and our listeners to here is recognizing that we have a tendency to quickly hop over thinking thoroughly about how to go about maximizing getting a yield from this free natural energy that's constantly spilling over 
our sight. And those types of energy forms, the free and most abundant first one that is constantly, at least most days, 12 hours of them or so, depending where you are latitudinally on the planet's surface, most days within those constraints are going to have a good level of sunlight coming onto the planet and onto the site that we're designing for. And so we're looking at how do we max out passive solar income as a yield. And the first thing that's going to do the best job of that for us is our plant community. And so having a landscape that has a diversity of plants, plants that can become, as we know, our protocol points us towards ideally mature, diverse ecosystems, meaning trees and larger, longer living life forms like perennial forest ecologies are, in terms of terrestrial ecosystems, going to be the most superior of ecologies at keeping the planet cool, harvesting water income, and giving habitat to biodiverse life forms. And this is why permaculture leans towards these diverse forest ecosystems as our teachers, as the foundations of our terrestrial farm ecology that we want to aspire to create, one that has a high upper canopy of nut trees and a mid-story canopy of other beneficial fruit yielding as well as nut yielding and soil improving mid-story trees and shrubs and understory so that we have farms that look more like forests but are what we would call a recombinant ecology, an ecology that is created by people and for people, not an ecology that would naturally occur on the earth without human participation. And these ecologies that emerge from the mutually beneficial dance of humanity with the earth's flow of materials and our own role in cycling them, we begin to create inheritance for future generations that have true longevity and provide this multiple function of both food yielding, beauty, inspiration, and planetary cooling mechanisms. And this is what we're looking to from a meta level to a micro level with permaculture design and the use of our principles, how do we begin to key more intelligently into the evolutionary flow of life on this earth and make our lives easier and ultimately giving back to all life on this earth is the key to creating both a healthy time for ourselves on this planet as well as a healthy time for all life on Earth. We're interconnected and creating these landscapes and healing the Earth, healing the waters and the oceans of this great mother that gave birth to all life as we know it is our ultimate calling and why the principle of use biology is the foundation of permaculture design 
it is what the notion that permaculture will work, as Bill Mollison says, his answer to that question, will permaculture work, the phrase that is the question, is 